The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corliss, and you are listening to Pod the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 16 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, all happy October. I am so happy that you are all here listening today. Uh, Speaking of listening, I've actually been hearing from a lot of you listeners lately, uh, especially at my classes at Broadway Dance Center. So thank you all so much for coming up and saying hi and letting me know that you're enjoying the content. Uh, (laughs) Just a reminder, just come up to me and say hi Mm, instead of shouting loudly into my classes from the door. Uh, that happened recently while I was teaching a contemporary class at Broadway Dance Center. Um, and it actually made me laugh really hard. Uh, I didn't really know whether to be upset or to be excited. I was just, I don't know, it was exciting that you were so excited to come in. Let me know that you're a listener, <laughs> but maybe don't interrupt the classes. All right. But yeah, no, it's been really cool to be a part of this uh this new wave of dance podcasts and here on the Premier Dance Network. And it's cool just to see that people are actually tuning in and listening. So thank you for, for coming up and telling me and listening to episode after episode. And I'm glad that you're all enjoying because it inspires me to keep on putting out fun content like today's content. Uh, so this weekend, I'm, what's going on in my life? I'm teaching a lot. I feel like I'm finally in the swing of things for the, the new school year. I'm choreographing a handful of solos for Youth America Grand Prix, the World Ballet Competition, and a, a new competition called Universe of Ballet Competition. Um, and also, I've been teaching a handful of other private lessons from adults to students coming into New York City. 
Um, and then I'm also starting to work on some choreography and getting that stuff out there. So that's all fun. Also, this weekend, I'm beginning to prep for Nutcracker. <laughs> I'm actually performing in Greenwich Ballet Academy's Nutcracker. Again this year, I'll be playing Drosselmeyer, good old character role. And we'll be performing on December 8th and 9th at uh, SUNY Purchase. We're actually a beautiful theater. Youth America Grand Prix had their finals there, and we are not that far. Studios aren't that far from the, the university there. So we were lucky enough to swoop up that stage and, and have it for our shows. So I'll be performing, making some magic on stage as Drosselmeyer during the Nutcracker. So I'm looking forward to that. In other news, it's actually my birthday in two days from when this podcast is released. So Sunday. Um, and as I always tell my husband, uh, he, he hates this, but I always joke around with him. I'm, I'm going to be halfway, halfway to 70. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be 35 years old. Um, and it, you know, I used to have major issues with age, but the older I get, the more I, I, I'm content with how old I am because it means that I'm, I'm living a good long life. Um, I mean, that's kind of the point. At, at least I think it is. But yeah, so uh, my birthday is coming up this Sunday, so I was thinking maybe I would talk about age and dance this week. Um, you know, this is this topic has kind of been on my mind just for a little bit because back in what is it? Back in the it's October, so back in the September issue of Dance Magazine, um, there was uh, an article on uh, ageism. Actually, it was, so as I've told you, the October issue has an article that I wrote uh, about the debt that I accrued transitioning from performing to teaching and choreographing. And um, it was a part of this new column called uh, The Conversation. And this was actually the column last month. And so it was an article on ageism by Beth Cording, where she talked about getting older as a dancer, the expectations, opportunities, discrimination that uh, older dancers have to endure, and then also how she has worked with an aging body. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with my birthday and this article, it just I, all signs are pointing to me needing to talk about age this week. Um, so yeah, age and dance, I feel like age and dance is just as much a regular popular culture conversation as is, uh, weight and dance. I feel like I've talked about the, how old dancers are when they retire, like since I was a teenager, um, I mean, I feel like it was really highlighted when I was the dancer liaison for the young patrons group at Pacific Northwest Ballet. It was called Backstage Pass at the time. Um, and my responsibility was to go to all these events to help educate patrons uh, between ages 21 and 39 that were falling in love with dance and to, to just give them as much information as possible and to inspire them to continue coming to performances and eventually become donors for the organization. Um but yeah, I think that probably the number one question that I ever got at events from these patrons was, so how long is a dance career really? Because everybody has heard, well, it's such a young career. Um, it's not like 
other professions, but I feel like a lot has actually changed in the world as it is now and people are constantly flowing in and out of professions. So maybe not as relevant as it was at the time, but yeah, dancers are known for having relatively short careers. Um, and, and it makes sense because it's, it, it deals with your bodies, um, and using your bodies constantly and ways that people don't typically use them. So the body does wear down. Uh, but yeah, the, the conversation about age and dance, it started really, really young. Um, I mean, granted when I was training at a recreational dance studio, it's, didn't come up that often. I would read articles about it. But other than that, until I started going to summer programs, age wasn't really a thing. Um, that was talked about way too much. But then as soon as I started going to these pre-professional programs for the summer, it was a like a quick, very quick conversation. Like for instance, I remember uh, my second summer at Houston Ballet, there was a dancer who had been the summer program the year prior because... Uh, a lot of students end up going to the same summer program. So a handful of us knew her because we had been we had been there the year prior. And she was 17 years old. And I remember people being like, she is a baby. She's like a year older than us or she's our age. And she's already starting her career. Like I couldn't imagine myself being in that position. I'm still living with my parents. I couldn't imagine living in an apartment by myself, those types of things. Um, but then it, it very quickly went from oh, wow, she's so young, to uh, a completely different story. I remember when I was, I went to the Kirov Academy of Ballet, there were, we were one of the largest classes to graduate from that school. And we, it was a, it was a boarding school. So we had ballet at the school, we had academics at the school, we had, we ate at the school, our dorms were at the school, we pretty much just stayed in the same building for an entire year, (laughs) barely ever leaving it. Um, And so we had 13, I think 13 kids in our class, but it was interesting because I, I graduated at the age of 18 from the school, but there were some students that were 15 year olds that were getting their high school diploma and they were going on to either finishing schools, traineeships, one or two even had company contracts by that point. Um, so all of a sudden I was 18 and looking at, at my class and I was practically, I think I was the oldest one in my class. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm way behind. They're all already way ahead of the game. And granted, yeah, I mean, a handful of those dancers have gone to have spectacular careers. Melissa Hogue is now principal at Norwegian National Ballet. Matthew Golding was in my class and he's like an international uh guest star he's danced for the royal ballet uh and also i think dutch national ballet and american ballet theater um so we had some really talented dancers in our class but there were also some that were quite young that uh didn't didn't necessarily get to experience a full range of a career but i definitely felt that i was behind being 18 years old and not uh not having already started my career um, I mean, granted, I, I was also leaving the company, the, the, the school with a company contract with Colorado Ballet. But um, if you've listened to my other podcasts, I'm not going to go into my history with that. But as you, you would know that I did not take that contract or maybe I broke it. But you'll have to listen to previous podcasts to get that story. Um, so I broke that contract to go to school American Ballet. And this is where things got even more interesting with age because uh, the school American Ballet – 
is directly attached to a company. So we were living in the dorms and some of the students, uh, well, I guess they weren't students at that point, but some of the dancers living in the dorms were apprentices. And I think the oldest apprentice the year that I was in in the school was 17 years old, maybe 18. So now I was 18 turning 19. And I was like, whoa, I am way behind. I should have been prepping to get into a company at the age of 16. And I, I just felt like I had so much that I needed to catch up on. And to be completely honest, it drove me a little crazy. Um, I wouldn't talk to other people in class. I was afraid of anything derailing my training. So I was like, uh, was practically like, I don't know what, what types of people <laughs> don't go out and live and, and, and do, do very much. They, they just stay in and focus on their craft. Uh, nuns, monks, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just trying to come up with a comparison. So I was like a ballet monk. Um, <laughs> All I did was wanted. All I did was focus on my ballet training obsessively. Um, so, then when I finally joined Houston Ballet, I was surrounded by other people my age, so I, I didn't feel that that bad. And then when I got to Pacific Northwest Ballet, I was like, "Oh, actually, I'm one of the youngest dancers in the company." Um, so I kind of, I kind of figured my age thing out. Uh, by that point now granted like i i did feel that i had to progress really fast because if i didn't get far enough fast enough that my career would fizzle out without me attaining all the things that i aspired to have and to be certain roles that i wanted to perform certain uh certain way that people looked at me as a dancer of course i wanted to be a principal dancer and all that um so yeah i I had certain ideas of where I wanted to be, but it didn't feel as stressful to achieve those things. I didn't feel like I was way behind if I didn't achieve them. But at the same time, I always had in the back of my head, like I'm getting older. Um, and every once in a while, there would be a dancer that people would all of a sudden one year, like one year they would say, wow, they're, they're a great dancer. And then like a year or two later, they'd be like, wow, they're getting a little old. They should maybe think about retiring. Um, while I was in the core, I think that the oldest core dancer that we ever had in the company was 34 years old. And actually looking at the organization now, it's pretty much the same. And that's, uh, It seems that in in the core, most dancers age out by 30 years old, maybe a year or two after that. Um, Soloists are given more leeway. It seems like most soloists retire by like 36 and principals can stay as long as their bodies remain. And it seems like most of them are in their 30s to early 40s by the time that they retire. Um, So I had all these ideas in my head, but I, I never really like try to put an end date. I was hoping I would make it to, I don't know, 34, 36. Um, so age was always on my mind and it was always discussed, but I think that I just decided to focus on my work at that point. Um, and that was until <laughs> my value, my artistic evaluation when I was 26 years old. So this was my sixth year at Pacific Northwest Ballet and my seventh year dancing professionally. Um, and there was a period of time when I was dancing with a company where it really seemed like there was a possibility that I might get promoted to soloist. And my colleagues were starting to ask me and uh, certain donors and uh, patrons that I knew were starting to ask me. Um, So I went into my evaluation that year with high hopes that maybe I would get some good news. Uh, 
from from my boss and it's funny because usually I would after getting like one or two like like sorry after we would say our greetings I would because I'm crazy like this I would have a list that I would want to discuss with with Peter Ball and he was ready for it by by year three he was he would always go where's the list and we would laugh at it um but yeah so at the beginning of that that artistic evaluation, which these evaluations were required by our union, and they were recorded. Um, he said, "How old are you?" And I told him I was twenty six years old, and he and he sort of like nodded his head and said, "Yes, yes, you've got you've got a few good years left in you." Um, and I think he was trying to be nice and say like, "Oh, like I'm still pleased with your work and all of that," but. I don't know what happened that like that really stayed with me. And honestly, I feel that it might've been one of the driving factors that led me to leave the, the, the year after that. Um, because I really felt like he had this timeline in his head that I wasn't going to get out of the core. And because most of the dan- the core dancers were younger than 30 years old, that since I was 26, that I had a few good years left in the core. Um, I mean, I felt that if he saw a future for me there, he would have wouldn't wouldn't have said that because he would have seen me with the company at least for another ten years, a decade. So um, that really stayed with me, and I really digested that information. Um, so for the next year, I started to look around, and I I was definitely one of the older core dancers by that point, which was interesting because I went from being one of the youngest core dancers. And then at the age of 23, like I joined the company at 19 and at the age of 23, um, it was like a, something just switched and all of a sudden I was one of the more mature core artists in the company. Um, it happened fast. And I guess that is a symptom of how age can work in the dance world. But um, I I saw it, but I, I, felt, I, I didn't feel bad about it. I felt good about it. But at the same time, I was constantly looking and saying, okay, if I don't progress to a certain point soon, I'm, I feel like I'm not going to have the choice here uh, that I'm going to be pushed out. So the next year, with that in mind and also a few other things happening, I decided that I would not be coming back to Pacific Northwest Ballet. And I secretly started auditioning around the country. And one of the places that I auditioned for was Hubbard Street uh, Dance Chicago, which is one of our country's finest contemporary dance organizations. And because I was usually picked to dance leading roles in contemporary works at, at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I thought that this could be a good fit for me. Um, so I went to audition. The audition went well, uh, but I I needed more experience in the, the realm of contemporary movement. And I had a meeting with Glenn Edgerton, the director, afterwards. And it was interesting because I had this idea in my mind after the, the artistic evaluation with Peter Bull that my career was on its it was on its last few years. And Glenn asked me how old I was, and I told him that I was 27. And he goes, wow, yeah, you're, you're still young. You still have a lot of time. So go, go out, get some more experience, and come back and audition, because I really liked your, your dancing. Um, and now I was confused, because I was like, wait a second. So I'm old at P&B, and I'm young at Hubbard Street. And that, that kind of gave me some information that took a little while to digest, 
other people's perspective of your age are really only just their opinions of your age. And a lot of it comes from where they came from. So I, I don't know exactly what Glenn Edgerton's background is. I know that he directed Netherlands Dance Theater for a little while, but I didn't do any research on him uh, before this podcast because I didn't think that I would need to. But I know P- Peter Bull, he was homegrown School of American Ballet, New York City Ballet, stayed with the organization his entire career, which was quite long. Um, and at New York City Ballet the if you look at the how the company is composed it, you can tell the core dancers there are very few core dancers over 30 the soloists are mostly up until their mid 30s and then principals stay as long as their bodies uh, are there so it, it made sense that that was sort of how he saw it um, but at the same time it, it kind of showed me that really they're these are just perspectives and opinions and that we can sit here and try to give ourselves this idea of what our our career should look like at a certain age and when they should end and try to track things. But in reality, those things don't matter because everybody has a different opinion. And if you can find the right organization, it doesn't matter if you're a 25-year-old apprentice uh, or if you are in the core at 38 years old. Um when I joined Ballet X in, in Philadelphia, I learned that there were some core dancers with Pennsylvania Ballet in this in our the same city that were in their mid-30s. So it, it really just depends on the people that are in charge. So after I transitioned out of Pacific Northwest Ballet and the whole Ballet X situation, which you can listen to in other podcasts, um, I started freelancing. And it was interesting because now that I was starting to freelance, um, I was constantly going into different organizations and getting to see how they were constructed and the ages of dancers and perspectives within those organizations and of the outside world. Um, And I really learned a lot during that time. And often people would ask me how old I was. And I would get compliments. People would say, oh my gosh, you're 30 years old. I can't believe it. You don't look 30. And there were actually a handful of people. I'm I'm not saying one or two. Like there were a handful of people that told me during the four years that I freelanced that I should start to lie about my age. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of a taboo subject that people for years have been talking about. I've heard of a few people that supposedly have lied about their age. I don't care if they do or if they they don't. I don't really get it. Um, I'd rather people go, wow, you look good for your age than, uh, I don't know, lie and tell people I'm 26 and then go like, ooh, yeah, like he's looking a little old for 26. I would much rather people be like, ooh, 35. He's looking good for 35. Um, and again, like age is maturity and wisdom and knowledge. And I, I don't know, I, I appreciate all the things I've gained. And I feel like every year that I'm on this earth, I'm lucky. And every year that I'm on this earth, I have more to offer to people. So I, I prefer to keep that age exactly where it is. So, all right, now that I've babbled on about, uh, what age is is like in the dance world and how I've how how a lot of people judge it and how I've handled the pressures of age in the dance world um I figured I I should just share a little bit of what I've learned throughout the years uh the first and most important thing and I I've shared this a lot I've shared it on this podcast I've shared it in personal conversations um but there is no timeline to a dance career and 
I learned this from our physical therapist when I was in Houston Ballet after one of the dancers broke her foot and was having a meltdown, reasonably so, um, in the physical therapy room. And the, the physical therapist just turned to her and said, look, there is no cl- timeline to a dance career. Uh, for me, I always had this crazy timeline. When I was, when I was, when I turned 16 years old, I told my mom that I didn't want to celebrate and I didn't want a cake. Um, because I was convinced that up until the age of 15, audience members thought that you were cute and no matter how good or bad you were, that they would just love how you danced. And I was obsessed with this idea that at the age of 16, all of that cuteness faded (laughs) and that people actually cared about your technique. And I felt that I was so behind that uh, it it was a bad thing that was happening to me. Um, And the funny part of that story is actually that my mom... (laughs) She made a cake when I got home from dance. She lit candles and they sang happy birthday to me. And I actually cried because I was so upset that we were celebrating this this uh, milestone. Um, so that was my 16-year-old timeline. I, I told myself that I had to be eight, professional by the age of 18. Once I got into companies, I told myself I had to be a soloist by 24. And then I had to be a principal soon thereafter. I, I had a... A deadline in my head that I was going to re- I was going to stick it out no matter what that I would retire from the stage at the age of 36 and I give myself four years to teach to start teaching and choreographing and then I would be a director of a, a company by the time that I was four, 40 years old but the reality is as long as I'm fulfilled and thriving none of this timeline stuff even matters because just like our physical therapist Cody said back in my first year of my career, there is no timeline for a career. Just like students training in their teens when puberty hits at different times, careers bud at different times as well. Sometimes it's luck and it's timing. Sometimes it's confidence. Sometimes it's maturity, opportunity, or a handful of other factors. We can try to force things to happen the way that we want them to, but I was actually having a conversation with uh, one of my friends last night saying that it actually seems like good things happen when we don't try to force them. Just as long as we work hard and we're good people and we, we do everything that we can and make sure that we're turning out quality work and educating ourselves and improving, that if we just keep on working on the things that we enjoy, that they will lead to these, these things that we're seeking out. So yeah, don't be ashamed of your age or lie about your age. Own it. Like I'm learning as I age in life, it's really not about counting down to the end of your career, the end of a chapter, the end of your life. It's really about how you feel, how you take care of yourself and the memories that you take along with you on your journey. So don't let anybody try to put an expiration date to your training, your career, or anything else for that matter. Your body and mind are the only things that should guide your career. And while employment may be somebody else's decision, pretty much most everything else is yours. A good representation of this would be with one of my peers that I'm currently working with, and this is who I was just talking about having a conversation with, uh, Ursula Verdusco. She's a fellow New York City choreographer. We're peers, and she's also a, a dancer. She reached out to me uh, 
this summer and she asked if I'd like to collaborate with her by creating a solo. Uh, and I was actually really excited to work with her because Ursula would be considered a mature dancer. She's been around the New York City dance scene for quite a while. She's been choreographing for quite a while. Lately, she's been traveling a lot to Latin America. Um, and like she was just in Cuba choreographing. Uh, and she... She's just a very, I mean, aside from the fact that she is over the age of 40, um, she's a very mature dancer and she has a lot of experience. Um, but what, what's great is she's still capable, very much capable of dancing on point. Uh, and beyond that, because of her maturity, she brings an intense and wonderful artistry to her performing. So over the last couple of months, we, we've been using this wonderful, mature quality of her dancing to bring a very theatrical piece to life that we'll be presenting in festivals in the near future. I'll keep you up to date on that stuff. But uh, she has really been a wonderful example of what I'm trying to share with you here today. You, As long as you can do something... <laughs> then do it. You shouldn't just say, okay, well, ballet dancers are absolutely done by their mid-30s to the age of 40. No, if you can still do it, just go ahead and do it. And and if people are going to uh, present to you with ageism, find ways around it. Uh, ask people to, to work with you. Create your own work. Uh, start conversations. Um, all of those things. You could be one of those people that are considered breaking the mold. Those are the people that are really interesting. Those are the people that we follow. Um, so yeah, I, I, if there's any last thing that I can, any nugget of gold that I can leave with you is just a, a reminder that there is no timeline to a career in dance. And remember, career in dance begins with your training. So if you feel like you're 20 years old and you're too old to be training, uh, look at Price Siddharth, who joined Pacific Northwest Ballet at the age of 20 as an apprentice. He ended up being named as one of the top, I think, 25 dancers uh, by Dance Magazine a year after he joined the company. And he was recently promoted to soloist this past year. So keep on training if, if you feel that you need to. Uh, or if, or if you are feel like you're getting past that time, keep on training. If you are in a company and you're not getting promoted fast enough, think of, and I'm giving examples of people I know, but think of Rachel Foster, now a principal with Pacific Northwest Ballet. I believe she got promoted to soloist at the age of 31. Um, if you feel like you shouldn't be dancing anymore. You should be retired and you can still take class. Think of people like Patricia Neary, who is a former Balanchine ballerina that I've, I've worked with and danced beside in class. She's in her 70s and she's still dancing on point almost every single day. She's traveling the world, staging the works of Balanchine. There is no need for you to put an expiration date on yourself. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And when the time is up, the time is up and you'll know it. You don't have to sit around just waiting or or telling yourself that you have to be moving on to something else at a certain point. All right. So that is my birthday gift to you. <laughs> I don't know if it really works that way, but I, I, I hope that you've gotten some valuable information out of this and some inspiration. Um, as always, if you have anything you'd like to share to share uh, about this topic, or if you'd like to share your story with me, um, 
reach out to me and I'll let you know how to do that in a second. And if I think it's something really valuable to share, might even share it on this podcast. Uh, of course, I won't do that if you don't give me permission. But I, I love hearing from you guys. And if it's something that I feel is valid, I, I love to share your thoughts and opinions and experiences. All right. Well, that seems like a great place to end. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlos.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have... Dancing Offstage, which you can find at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I write about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. And then I also have a blog that has been archived, Life of a Freelance Dancer. And that is at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And on that platform, I wrote about working as a freelance artist for over five years. If you're curious about my choreography, you can also check that out on YouTube by going into the search panel and typing in B. Corollas. That's B for Barry and Corollas, my last name. So you can find my choreography there. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from today on Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.